You are listening to the Tour des Flâneurs, the cycling podcast at the 2021 Tour de France, powered by Super Sapiens. Energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Stage 17, today we're in Salary Soulan. Well, we opened there with the noise from the summit at the finish of the day, the top of the Col du Porte. Mitch, you were up there. I couldn't not go up there. We had the press centre halfway up the climb, the last climb, and there was no mix zone at the top today. So as journalists, it's not necessarily that beneficial to go to the top anymore because the whole area is blocked off. But I thought, I'm going to catch the ski lift up. It's not every day I get to go and see the finish of one of these epic mountain stages, let alone a Tour de France. I'm going to take the opportunity, and it was well worth it. I sort of clawed my way through the crowd. I found a spot at about 150 metres to go, and what blew me away was the raw emotion in the faces of these guys. And I'm talking about the first three there, Carapaz, Vingegaard, and um The other Gatchel. guy. The other yeah. guy. <laughs> like, That guy, yeah. I could just, I could feel it. And I could see that that effort in their eyes. And they were so close to me. And it was a bit of a first-time thing for me. Um, and I really understood at that moment why people go up hours before, days before, for that split-second moment. It was actually all worth it, even though I got there half an hour before. But it was, it was so amazing. Um, it was cold up there. There was a wind blowing. And just to absorb that atmosphere of the Queen stage of the Tour de France, in that moment there, I really got a whole two and a half weeks of the tour. It was, it was it's awesome. It's amazing that you... It's like being with Kate again, isn't it, Francois? But it's amazing that it, it, it leaves that impression on you and that you're able to experience those emotions because, you know, this is your world. The, the, you know these people. You ride with them. You race with them. So for you to be able to kind of watch it in that detached way as a spectator for the day um never mind journalists because you were before the finish you were actually there watching the race um hmm. it makes you probably quite unusual i suspect i think as a writer you appreciate the effort they're putting in um you know where they're at not that i've ever been at the top of a mountain sprinting for the victory but i just knew what it took for those guys to be there the, th the two and a half weeks before the stage the two mountains before, the whole way up that mountain, attacking each other on the limit and knowing that at a K to go, oh, it's one K to go, I've got to do it, I've got to do it, I've got to save my GC or whatever it is. And then 100 metres to go, 100 metres in everyone's mind, it's a split second, but in that moment, it just ticks by. And that's where I was at that moment. I could just see those guys going, oh, it's just the last push. This is the last push and I could feel it. So it was really cool to see that because you can relate to it so much as a rider. Um, It was it was really um, like I said it was it was a re really nice moment. Great. You probably also related to I mean there, there was a nice uh, image to the well on, on TV we saw we saw them pass by but uh, when when Anthony Perez the last guy out you know for the mm -hmm. from the break you, we, we 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 started to see him crumble gradually the little gestures he made like asking for for a bidon and then his face like contorted and and sweaty mm -hmm. and you, you knew he was in a bad way you know. Uh, you could feel everything was falling apart, and he knew it was the end. But so on the on the one end, you you got the the winners, you know, the guys battling out for for the stage victory, and and on the other end, you got the guy who's done his best, but who knows, you know, it's mm. you know the, the 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 doom is coming, you know, yeah. he's crawling and creeping on him, and uh, yeah, that's that's what make what makes those great mountain stages so exciting, I guess. It did seem to be a stage that a certain rider in the yellow jersey wanted. Um, mm. Possibly the best displayed by his team, UAE Team Emirates today. But Tarek Pogacar clearly wanted that stage, didn't he? To sort of cement his status as the champion in waiting of this Tour de France. But we did see a, a really interesting battle, three-way battle. Your man, Rigoberto Uran, lost a bit of ground today. I would say he's still got a shot at the podium, given the time trial on Saturday, but... We're going to hear from him in this episode. Um, you spoke to him at the start this morning, Mitch, which is great to hear him speaking in English. And 
it's a short but fantastic interview actually mm. with Iran. So we'll hear that a bit later on. We've got lots of interviews. I mean, you're you're fighting them off, Mitch. I mean, they're <laughs> they're forming a queue. There was a queue to speak to you at one point this morning. <laughs> yeah, you were speaking to Simon Geshka. That's that's a very funny interview as well. He tells us about um, his humiliation yesterday when Mike <laughs> Van Aert came steaming past him. And Carlos Verona came along and he was queuing patiently, waiting. In the rain. Mm-hmm. It's in the rain. I felt yeah. so bad for him. <laughs> but he but was not, very not good. so bad that you didn't keep him waiting a bit longer. <laughs> um, let's have the tale of the tap. Uh, we began this morning in Muret and we finished at Saint-Larry-Soulan at the top of the Col de Porte. It was, and I didn't really fully appreciate this until Luke Durbridge pointed out, but it was a stage that we did a couple of years ago that Nairo Quintana one which started in uh, Luchon, didn't it? Just on the outskirts of Luchon. They had that grid start in uh, 2018, I think it was. So it was it, uh, a stage that a lot of riders would be familiar with. It was also 14 juillet, mm. the 14th of July. So Bastille Day, as we call it. The French don't call it Bastille Day. Pierre Roland, <laughs> well, we saw a lot of French uh, attacking today. Okay, so I've hidden the crisps here because crisps are banned during the podcast. And they obviously didn't realize I've hidden them. And they brought another bowl of crisps. Absolutely outrageous. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, Pierre Roland was, uh, had a go, didn't he? But it was, it, it was a big old effort he made for not an awful lot of gain. Um, the break did form um, with Lucas Postelberger, Bora Hansgrohe, Danny Van Poppel, Anton Marche, Dorian Godon of Agi Desert, Anthony Perez of Cofidis, still searching for that stage win. Anthony Turgis of Total Energy and Maxime Chevalier of B&B KTM uh, bridged across to make a much bigger group. Julian Bernard, poor old Julian Bernard. That was painful, wasn't it? Yeah. He was trying to get across and uh, it just wasn't happening for him. And he eventually, that group was never allowed to gain too much time. Eight minutes was the maximum advantage they had. Van Poppel won the intermediate sprint. And in the peloton, Michael Matthews uh, scored a few more points ahead of Mark Cavendish in the green jersey competition. Um, we had those big three climbs right at the end of the stage. It was really back-loaded. And we saw a really concerted push by Arkea Samsic. We had a diary entry from Connor Swift this morning saying that they were really up for it. Quintana, who did win this stage a few years ago, was really up for winning King of the Mountains points and trying to win the stage. We saw a lot of Connor Swift working with UAE Team Emirates to, to bring that break back. And then Ellie Jesper went off at the front on the foothills of the climb with Quintana. Big effort they made, um, which maybe didn't quite pay dividends because Wack Poles was with them. And uh, Poles had a pretty good day in the King of the Mountains jersey to consolidate his lead. And his closest rival now, is, in fact, is Tadej Pogacar. But we'll get to him in a moment. Perez was the last survivor from that group. And, you know, on another day, he might have fancied that he had a bit of a chance. He had a decent lead, but there was a long way up to the finish. And uh, as I said earlier, it looked like Pogacar had this stage in his sights. There wasn't to be a, a Bastille Day victory for a Frenchman, unfortunately. Halfway up the climb to the finish, Perez was caught. I mean, they barely had a chance to glance. And Pogacar by then was really kind of turning the screw. We were about eight kilometers up the climb, Francois, and it was r- roughly about that point that Pogacar really turned it on. Um, Rafael Maika had swung off by that point. He was on his own and uh, he really took it to the others. But Jonas Vingegaard was very impressive. Uh, didn't ever really look in too much trouble. Richard Carapaz went with the two, those two as well. Carapaz did look in trouble. Um, he was His face was in contortions. He was grimacing a lot of the way up. Um, and we'll maybe talk about that a bit later on. David Godou, a valiant attempt for the French behind but he didn't make much of an impression. He was chasing all the way to the line. It was a great sort of battle between the three of them up front, mainly Pogacar forcing it, Vingegaard following, and then in the end, Carapaz attacking. Vingegaard was distanced initially. He came back, had a goal, but Pogacar always kind of looked the most comfortable, and he was the winner of the stage. The Cycling Podcast at the 2021 Tour de France, powered by Super Sapiens. Energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Still guessing on fueling? Not sure what or when to eat and drink on rides that matter? Never again. Optimize your fueling strategy with real-time glucose data, actionable insight, and personalized analytics. We are here to help you achieve your performance goals. 
Go to supersapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success. My name is Kevin Sprouse. I'm a sports medicine physician, head of medicine for EF Nippo Pro Cycling. One of my other positions is I'm a scientific advisor for Super Sapiens. I started using continuous glucose monitors like this with my patients five or six years ago across numerous sports. And what I saw is that having this novel insight into uh, metabolism was something that allowed us to stop guessing in so many areas of, of health and training. And in my experience with it, I saw that it would be a really a massive benefit to professional athletes, recreational athletes, those that are just looking to optimize their health and performance. And so when Super Sapiens came around and took that technology that was previously very focused toward diabetics and, you know, patients who had a certain diagnosis and they take it and they put it in the realm of those that uh, don't have this diagnosis, who just want to use the same data for, for health and performance, that really resonated with me. It was something that I was doing anyway, but kind of using a technology that hadn't quite been tailored to this purpose. And now Super Sapiens has come along and really made it uh, pertinent, uh, easy to understand, and, and very usable for the athlete. Thank you very much indeed to our title sponsor, Super Sapiens. We're very grateful indeed to them. And we heard a little bit there from, well, somebody that Mitch knows very well, Dr. Kevin Sprouse, your team doctor, um, uh, who's a great advocate of Super Sapiens, telling us a bit about how Super Sapiens work. Don't forget, you can still enter our competition uh, to win three months worth of Super Sapiens sensors. Go to thecyclingpodcast.com and you'll find out how to send in your 60 second or less clip telling us how and why you would use Super Sapiens. And thanks once again, indeed, to them. Mitch, what are we drinking? We found a little beauty once again tonight. I tell you what, I thought this was going to be harder than it's turned out to be, but the uh, the road on the craft beer scene has been very, very good to us. We're drinking a beautiful beer tonight. It's very similar fashion to last night in terms of there was only three styles offered from this brewery. They offered a, an amber, a white ale, and a blonde. And we all chose the same again. I'm on the amber. Actually, oh, you I got, the, I, you I got the amber, did you? I had an IPA last night, so yeah. it was slightly different. I'm on the amber. You're on the blonde. And I'm on the white. White. Um, it's a little brewery not too far from here in a town called Aru. Aru, yeah. Aru. It's very famous. Well, I mean, the the tour comes here almost every year. You know, it's, it's in, in the valley... At the, at the foot of the big climb, so yeah, it's it's a classic village that the the, the tour crosses. Ao. and we've got the Tour Malay right here. We're at the bottom of the Aspin, also another tough little climb. We really feel like we're on a little mountain holiday here in this little place we are. And this brewery, from what we've been able to understand, is it's from a town where it, the, it's called Alaucates. and what that means is that is the name given to. The, the person who takes care of geese, who breeds them, who feeds them, who brings them up. And this town was famous for farming geese, I guess you could say, for fragoir, I guess. Yes, so, And yeah. there's a picture of a little goose on the front. Looks quite happy. Don't know about the reality of that, but let's just pretend that that's <laughs> well, how they it, are. Yeah, it was happy before and uh, <laughs> we, we, won't, we won't elaborate on the, on the end, you know. But what I love about this, it's a, it's a really organic beer, um, no filter, non-pasteurized and you can see it it's really quite cloudy but it's a beautiful beer actually not one you want to drink all day but it's certainly beautiful tonight a nice little cleansing ale while we're recording this podcast it is very refreshing indeed uh, mitch and mine, mine's almost finished in fact so might might be looking for a refresher the tour de france then today uh, is the race decided francois i mean the race is decided in the sense that pogacar confirmed yeah, the only suspense left and our excitement was about the podium. And I, w I was am among the first to say so that, you know, I, I we, we thought Rigo uh, had a fair chance to be second because of his time trial skills. And uh, I, I, I didn't believe he would be, you know, dropped the way he was today. I, I thought he would, you know, keep in contention maybe with the other two. But today, yeah, what, what the, the last, uh, well, six, seven Ks mm. of today's stage were actually... The, the march to, towards the podium, I think, in many ways. 
Mm. Um, and, and to see the three guys, you know, coming up the mountains, there was a little bit of mist, uh, you know, one after the other, led by Pogacar because he led most of the way. And, 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 and even the, the stage result today might well be the, 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 the Tour de France result in the end. So, you know, sometimes we call these stages the, the, the test, you know, the queen stage or whatever you want. But, but really, it was like, I know that the, the, the marching towards Paris is the last day with the champagne and every day and everything. But today, you know, those last seven Ks really looked like, you know, the march to Paris. And, uh, and yeah, well, everybody tried, you know, to, to, to play with strength. Uh, Carapaz, as you said, so, I mean, well, that, that, that's a, a discussion we can have. He looked in a bad way, but what was it, you know, made up? Uh, what was it planning to attack, you know, from at the, at the, the least expected moment? And maybe that was the only way to try and, and uh, you know, take uh, Pogacar off his guard. But he only succeeded in, you, 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 can, you could tell that, you know, he, he kind of spurred P P Pogacar into reaction. Like, uh, he's, you know, like the yellow jersey, what? How do you dare, you know, do this mm. to me? And he, 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 he took con control back again. Uh, as you said, Vingegaard was was um, was dropped, but he came back bravely, and you know, and you you started to think, well, may maybe you know what's going to happen in the sprint. You 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 still had that that maybe little you know re remembering the, the the day when Vingegaard attacked um, Pogacar and took a little bit of time. You thought, well, maybe the sprint is undecided, but no, you know, they, they came in the first Pogacar win Chris's lead over, or actually a slim lead by 20 seconds, but. Second finger guard, who is also a good time trialist. Remember, you know, in Laval, he did very well. And then third, Carapaz. It might well be the podium in Paris with with a little question mark over Rigo. It all depends on what uh, runs, runs to a tomorrow. minute and a half behind Carapaz. I mean, uh, Iran didn't do a great first time trial in this race. I thought he did look in a bit of trouble today, even before he was distanced. We'll get on to Iran again in a moment, maybe, and we'll hear his interview. But, I mean, there was a lot of criticism I saw of Carapaz for the way that he rode. <laughs> I, I'm not convinced that he was sandbagging or faking it, as I heard some people claim. I, I think he was probably on the limit. But he is a sort of rider who is, um, you know, he, he's he's a he's dynamic, kind of fast rider who uh, would have been able to produce something which he did in the end to try and win the stage i wasn't sure that it was part of some big sort of that he was bluffing it it was, it was part of a point because also on a, on a climb like that there's not an awful lot to gain from sharing the from from hitting the front i was just about to say what why did he have to pull on the front you know in my opinion the gacha didn't have to ride that hard he was trying to prove a point and he was just riding as hard as he could and the guys were happy to sit in his wheel they had no need to go up the front and swap turns with him. Um, Pog was uh, flicking the elbow a bit, wasn't yeah, he? Was a, there was a time, yeah, yeah. yeah, there was a time when yeah, Pog really went down <laughs> to Carapaz and and you kind of asked him, why why don't you you know join forces? But as you say, join forces for what? Yeah. to lead you to win the tour, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a race, you know, and I think whether he's faking it or not, he can play his tactic there. And you know, I think Pogacar he. At the end of the day, he could have just sat on and just waited to go. He had five minutes lead. He had he didn't have to prove anything. He, he could have won the stage in many ways today. Yeah, and he, I think he was always going to win it. I mean, Vingegaard has been really impressive, really resolute, hasn't he? And I spoke to the team uh, sports director at the finish, Marijn Zeman, who Mitch, you know well from your skill Shimano days many years ago. He used to be at that team. He's, uh, he's, he's sort of been um, a coach at, at Jumbo Visma as well, and now he's a sports director. And uh, I, I asked him about Vingegaard and his emergence here as a, a real Grand Tour contender. I also asked him about some comments made recently by Inigo San Milan, who is Pogacar's coach. He said that Pogacar is riding at the same level as last year, but that the others are not. That the others are, are not performing as well as they have done, even in races earlier this season. So I put that to Zayman as well. Here's what he said. Marine, first of all, um, Stephen obviously didn't finish today. Can you tell us what was up with him? He's ill, is he? Yeah, he was uh, sick from the rest day. Got sick on the rest day and really fighting his way through uh, yesterday. Hoped, hoped to, to get better after the night, but didn't didn't happen. And then yeah, he was on the limit straight from uh, from the beginning and feeling really bad headache and he had to stop. Yeah. And uh, Jonas, I mean, just proved again today that he belongs in that company and he's very looks very secure in second place now are you, are you have you been surprised by his level of performance 
that he would be good, that, that we had really, really a lot of confidence. I mean, uh, he's, he's now for three years in the team and we see how he developed and we see his data. And uh, But yeah, that he, that he is this good and really improved on this, that is yeah, really, really impressive. And, and that, uh, there's always with talents, they always, there is always a moment that uh, that they break through, and uh, and that that is uh, that is what happened now. And, uh, yeah. And what sort of level is that? Because Pogacar's coach has said that the the opposition isn't as high as, as last year. I mean, is that from from reading the data? Yeah. Is that your impression yeah, as well? But that, but that is really like uh, that is really like uh, not true. Eh? I mean that that those comments I don't understand, and I'm also not going to make those comments. I mean. I think today Pogacar really fought, was always also fighting and really happy to win the States and there were also two guys with him, so uh, yeah, that, that I don't understand and I also don't think that those comments should be made because uh, I think in the end we're all in the same business, we're all professionals and one time the opponent is doing a little bit better than the other way but, but I'm not going to make those comments about other teams for sure not. Vingegaard though, he um, as I say looks really secure. I mean. You've been very keen, it seems to me, to not put too much pressure on him in this race. Yeah, but yeah, but, but that's exactly, of course, how we how we work and, and what we do, and uh, we try to focus on, on what you can influence, and and uh, and that that is actually um, yeah, uh, paying focus uh, on, on your nutrition, being very well prepared on what's coming, and uh, and and a good team spirit within the team, and uh, where everyone is is fighting for 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 each other, and uh, we actually I'm very proud of that. Because this is also a, a, a big team job with all the people around, with the team staff, and uh, I'm, uh, yeah. And, and now we have with Jonas another um, another key rider who is uh, also uh, yeah working very well in this program. Yeah. Also, I think it's it's between the ears. It's the mindset, and we we knew that we were good and that we were very well prepared. And then, yeah, I mean, high performance sports is also uh, getting used to um, uh, disappointments and, and and turn it around. And uh, that's the job of the the staff. It's like how mechanics, when yours, if they are still optimistic and giving everything, the coaches, the riders around, and yeah, I mean, even though Primoz was home, we still had a lot of quality in the group, and uh, and, and we were very optimistic about that. And uh, now, yeah, we are uh, just we kept on going and, and looking for new goals and, and motivate each other in that. And then, uh, in the end, also like when you have a guy like Jonas, I mean, that puts the team also on a higher level, of course. Chute, chute à l'arrière du peloton, Cycling Podcast Team Car, the back of the pack, please. That said, PK, the voice of Radio Tour, to remind me to tell you that this episode is sponsored by MAP, the cycling clothing company, and we are going to cross over to France, where I think Richard is as excited as a child on Christmas morning. Got a, a package waiting for me at a hotel, midway through the Tour de France. How tremendously exciting. I know what it is. It's some items of clothing from MAP. And uh, it's actually a consignment for, for me and for Lionel, but unfortunately Lionel's not here. And we're the same size, which is handy. Some nice socks. Oh, a lovely, oh, this is very nice jersey. Wow, very stylish indeed. And a bright red some shorts here. Some lovely new bib shorts. Oh. And the pièce de résistance, the bibs, the navy blue, wonderful. Oh, cannot wait to try this on. Richard, I would like to point out that uh, one set of that map kit is intended to be for me, so I want you to ensure it makes its way back to the UK. It's not all for you. Yeah, it needs needs to be road it needs to be road tested first, Lionel. <laughs> we were sent two d- designs of kit, and uh, I was told by Kate that the the color I was trying to describe is actually taupe, and the other is more an orangey red. Both very very nice. I tried one set of kit in, on my ride in Andorra, and it's absolutely it's like a second skin. It's it, it was incredibly comfortable. Shorts are exceptional. So. Well, we're delighted to have MAP on board as a sponsor of the Cycling Podcast. Indeed, a relatively new company. MAP was founded in Melbourne in 2014 by two cycling obsessives, Ollie and Jared, who have brought their experience from other industries, fashion, technical apparel design and graphic design, and they've injected all of that into uh, their love of cycling and cycling kit. And there's a kind of hint of Melbourne in the kit, isn't there? It's it's everything is uh, about the sport, the style, the coffee and cafe culture. Um, but I saw on your photograph that you posted on Instagram, Richard, that the the kit 
it absolutely fits like a glove. I like the long sleeves. Uh, you know, you're looking you're looking very trim at the moment. I know you've been doing a lot of riding. Clearly, just from the aesthetics of it, it looks like some really, really nice kit. Very simple but appealing designs. I, uh, yeah, it's, it feels very, very fast. I can see why these riders go so fast. I mean, the kit feels so incredibly fast. I, I actually first encountered Map Kit. I'd seen their stuff on social media, but I first saw it in the flesh, as it were, at the launch of the Trinity Racing Team a couple of years ago, Tom Pidcock and co. And it, I, I thought then it was stunning uh, in terms of the design, really lovely kit. And uh, we began a little correspondence with Map then. And um, yeah, as I said earlier, we're delighted to, to have them on board. I'm looking forward to road testing the rest of the kit later this week, perhaps on a ride with Mitch Docker, who knows? Well, that uh, combination of good fitting kit, good looking kit, does give you an extra extra spring in your pedal rev doesn't it i mean if you look good and feel good uh, the, everything about cycling is just that little bit more pleasurable isn't it well if you'd like to get your hands on some map kit you can do so by going to map.cc slash cycling and map is spelled m-a-a-p dot cc slash cycling and use the code cycling 15 that's cycling 15 before the end of july and you can get 15 percent off all full priced items well before the break we heard from marine zaman um he was he was a little bit a little bit annoyed i think by the the comments made by inigo san milan and san milan has actually sent a very gracious tweet tonight maybe correcting that it was an interview that he gave to Velo News, um, where he said that, you know, while Pogacar's level is what they expected, the, the others' levels were not. Now, you know, at the start of this tour, nobody would have said that his main opposition would come from Jonas Vingegaard. And that tells us something about what's happened in this race, what's happened to some of the favourites who are, have crashed out or, or have crashed and are not at the kind of form they should be in. It has been a, a strange race fr- from that point of view, but Zeman was adamant that, you know, Vingegaard is performing as you would expect somebody who's second overall in the Tour de France to be performing. There's always, like in these situations, what we see, I think the Giro last year was a really good case of this. You see people rise to the occasion who may not necessarily get that opportunity. And given their chance, you know, they're, they're able to step up. Um, and maybe Vingegaard riding behind um, Rogalic, he might not have got that opportunity for two or three more years, but suddenly now he's flourished and into this new rider and we'll see what happens from here you know there's always good situations to come out of a bad situation i think this is one of those i guess the question um i have for you just before we hear from iran is do you think he i mean he slipped two places tonight he's a minute and a half behind carapaz um has he still got a chance at the podium might much might depend on tomorrow i'm wondering whether he really had his best day today um the fact that, you know, Serge was, Sergio Aguita was there pacing him and I saw them go across the line. When they passed me, Sergio had actually dropped Rigo. And it makes me think that maybe he wasn't on his best day today. Um, I really did expect him to be able to follow those top three and on his very best day, maybe put his own attack in. That's what I was hoping for today, wishing for, to see Rigo sort of show his true... And I'm wondering whether, and this is only speculation, I haven't spoken to him, he mightn't have been on his best day. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that tomorrow he has some legs to do something and especially just pulls out an amazing time trial. I think it's not out of reach. Again, I, I think maybe one of the factors we, we, we kind of overlook because it, but it's been the, the, the one of the weather-wise the, the worst tour I've, do, I've covered in my 32 tours, I think. So it's been wet, it's been... Uh, cold. It's been, you know, you had a little bit of a rain. There was a little bit of rain today. It was misty. It, it, you know, I guess it kind of gets into your gear and, you know, and, and I'm, uh, well, obviously, I, I guess, you know, uh, Reverse Uran probably doesn't like that kind of weather too much. Weather. We know that Pogashat does. And obviously, Jonas Vingegaard is probably better used to that t- type of weather. Would have a hot, you know, and no- well, almost normal uh, for July. Tour de France affect uh, uh, affected the results uh, in the end. Well, that's a question. I don't have the answer. It's a good question. Yeah, I mean, it has been a very unusual race. I mean, a wor- well, let's hear from Iran in a moment. But it, it is worth. I remember at last year's Tour de France um, speaking to Matt Rabin, uh, a chiropractor on your team, and him saying that the story of the Tour last year was Iran's return to the the top level you know he had a terrible crash in the Vuelta a couple of years ago which i think you were involved in the crash as well mitch weren't you 
I wasn't. Luckily enough, I got dropped just before that, and I came back to the peloton and was sitting last wheel, so I completely missed that crash. Our whole team was sitting together, and we lost uh, three guys that day. Well, it was a terrible crash, and he was in hospital in Barcelona for a while, wasn't he? In a, in a very bad way, and a lot of people questioned whether he would uh, come back uh, in, in any kind of shape. He's 34 now. He seems to be around forever, Uran. And, you know, he's not a guy we've had on the podcast very much because in the past he hasn't really spoken English and we you know it's nice to hear people speak so you went and spoke to Iran this morning here he was good to see you mate how are you how are you my friend all is good no Rigoberto Iran sitting right up there on GC today is a big day what do you how are you feeling coming in today mate uh, today is the nice day okay nice nice because it's hard but the weather also is hard but the moment for me I have good condition also my team is very strong and looking for uh, for a ride more more in the front today because today is the big day is the day for GC rider. Have you been enjoying the the different sort of Rigo again? Well, not the different, the old Rigo. I feel like it's you're back to your old self again after a few big injuries. You know, we were together in the Vuelta a couple of years ago when we the big crash. Have you found your legs again after those few years? Yes, I working very hard the last uh, two years. Every day working therapy my my shoulder but now I'm so happy because my condition is is, is very well and enjoy every stay in this Tour de France I enjoy every day in my life awesome mate and what is the plan today for you can you tell us are you gonna go for a big attack can I see Rigo dancing up there on the final climb or the climb before oh today is the the climb is super hard because uh, it's high altitude 2000 meter also the wear is uh, made harder racing and um, I wait we see uh, also my team is looking for one stage uh, with Sergio or Ruben. We will see. See you, Rigo. Science in Sport is supporting the cycling podcast at the 2021 Tour de France. Science in Sport, fueled by science. Thank you very much indeed to Science and Sport for their support of the cycling podcast. Don't forget you can get 25% off all your Science and Sport products at scienceandsport.com with the code SISCP25, SISCP25. If you want to enter our competition with Science and Sport to win £80 worth of Science and Sport goodies, go to thecyclingpodcast.com and predict the winner of Sunday's stage into Paris. I'll be stocking up on my Science and Sport products tomorrow because I think, are we going to go for a bike ride tomorrow, tomorrow Mitch? We're going to hit Aspen, yeah? Let's hit it. Oh, God, going to hit Aspen. Aspen's going to hit back, I suspect. <laughs> Well, that'll be fun, won't it? There's only uh, one of us tonight who's ordered uh, chips with our meal, and it's uh, it's the athlete. <laughs> it's reassuring. Anyway, um, it was. I, I must. I did enjoy your interview with Uran. You know, lovely to hear him speak and to hear what he said. You know, he, it kind of just confirms the impression I think that we all have of him. Mm, yeah, it's, that's exactly right. And he was very relaxed talking today, and. That's him, and it was, I was very surprised when you said, you know, it's um, you're really happy to interview him, and this, uh, I guess, you made it seem like it was quite difficult to talk to him, whether that was the English or whether he doesn't have time for it. But the, he's just such an easy guy to talk to. Great uh, teammate. The issue actually with the Colombians is, I mean, some of them speak very good English, like Chavez, for example, but they are so in demand by the Colombian media, who are always at every race in mm. in big numbers that. An awful lot of their time at the starts finishes taken up speaking to their local media, so you don't often get an opportunity. But it's yeah, it's not it's not that difficult. No, I, I suppose also Rigoberto probably you know uh, improved uh, you know his English well with the F you know uh, very much so because I I I, I kind of um, you know was in charge of a couple of press conferences he gave at some races and. Uh, and he was very reluctant to speak English because he, he was, you know, he had the impression he w- would not be able to express, uh, you know, mm. his, his his mind the way he should have. But obviously, it's it's it's, it's my real fluent in English is very good. Yeah, absolutely. Before we crack on, a few little bits and pieces I want to remind you of. There are a few cases of our Tour de France wine left, uh, put together by Divine Sellers. The collection was discussed in an episode we released on the eve of the tour. Daniel Friedman conversation with Greg Andrews of Divine Sellers. If you're interested in purchasing a case, and there are a few left, go to divinesellers.com. That's D-V-I-N-E, 
sellers.com. A reminder that Stacey Snyder's mugs, cappuccino sets and gelato bowls will go on sale. That's the second batch. The first batch sold out in three minutes. The second batch go on sale on Friday, July the 16th, during stage 19 at 10 a.m. U.S. East Coast time. All proceeds go to Brain Tumor Research. Um, and the first batch did very well indeed, so we expect uh, the second batch to do equally well. Go to Stacy Snyder's um, Etsy site to purchase them at that time on Friday. She's also producing, as she always does, a Peddler de Charme mug. It's a beautiful design, and that will go to one rider who you vote as your Peddler de Charme. Not sure how we'll decide on that, but send us your nominations by email, uh, on or on Twitter or on Facebook or on Instagram. Send us your nominations. Tell us why a certain rider should be your peddler de charme. Anyone come to mind for you, Mitch? Any peddlers de charme? Any? What's a peddler de charme? Oh, Mitch, just somebody who uh, embodies the, the, the a certain charm, elegance, grace, style. It can be for aesthetics. It can be for a lovely gesture. It can be for anything that. You know, means that a writer kind of stands apart. I think at the moment, Van Art, just, Van Art, just his, just his sheer presence in the race in whatever aspect, sprint, climb, mid race attacking, KOM. Like there's the physical side of it, but he looks great on the bike. And um, well, speaking of Wild yeah. Van Art, should we hear from Simon Geschke? <laughs> nice segue. Yeah, yeah you spoke to him this morning. I enjoyed this. Let's hear from Simon Geschke of Cofidis. Talking with Simon Geschke here, good friend of mine, ex teammate, mate. First of all, how has the tour been up until now? We're in the last week, the final push today. How have you been feeling? Yeah, I felt pretty good, especially the end of the second and now starting with the third week. Yeah, legs are there. Yeah, I try to support our leader, Guillaume Martin, as long as I can. And uh, also tried a couple of times to be in the breakaway to to get a result maybe. But uh, it's the biggest race in the world, so uh, it's definitely not easy. We saw it yesterday and the days before. Getting in the breakaway isn't getting easier towards the end of the tour. Mate, you got to tell me about yesterday because this was an amazing thing. You launched the attack with Guillaume on your wheel. Not an attack, but just a real push forward. Next thing you know, Van Art comes past you like you weren't even doing anything and looks back like, how come you didn't take my wheel? What was that like? Yeah, it was a bit humiliating actually <laughs> because you said I was just pushing. Uh, I did actually an all-out attack, to be honest, and uh, yeah, when Van Aert came past me, uh, obviously it was too slow for him, <laughs> but no one else could follow him either, so I, I looked back for a second to see if Guillaume maybe wants to jump in his wheel, but yeah, after the race I checked my data and I did, uh, I was only, it was only 20 watts less uh, to my one-minute record, <laughs> so it was really an all-out attack. Guillaume told me don't sprint full, full gas, so yeah, I tried to... to push the speed that I can hold until the top but yeah Van Aert he's just Van Aert I mean uh, he's one of the best uh, riders in the world at the moment so uh, yeah I'm I'm not very uh, offended by it but uh, obviously it was too slow for him I'm sorry but yeah it was was just the idea because everyone was getting really relaxed and um, yeah I've seen these moments already a couple of times and you can take them by surprise and Guillaume is ninth in GC so I thought yeah for UAE they won't chase him. We try to uh, maybe catch some guys sleeping and uh, try to initiate uh, a move. But yeah, in the end, uh, all of the, the the whole top ten was there, and riders could bridge across. I saw that Carapaz and Uran uh, missed the move, but uh, yeah, like I said, they they closed the gap, and uh, in the end, it all stayed the same. But yeah, uh, we had nothing to lose, and it was only 10k to go. So, uh, yeah, Guillaume was, uh, first he said, oh, I think it's stupid. But then one minute later, he came to me, "Ah, actually, it's not a bad idea. Let's do it. (laughs) Good luck today. And hopefully you're up there again to support Guillaume. Yeah, thank you, man. Well, that was Simon Geschke. That very, (laughs) yeah, that was, that was quite entertaining. Poor old Simon Geschke. And Wout Van Aert, you were going to nominate somebody for Pedal de Charme, and it's somebody who's in, involved or maybe not so involved anymore in the King of the Mountains competition. Yeah, I mean, you know, in, 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 in many ways, we all uh, like uh, Michael Woods. We, we, we love the way he, he's, he's been competing, he's sort of run the way he raced. And so far, he has not managed to, to have a stage win, and, and, and apparently he will not manage to get the polka jersey. So I, I, I think... Um, and also because he's a nice guy in relationship with the press, in relationship with the other riders, in relationship with the crowds, 
I think it deserves a consolation prize, which is the Pedaleur de Charme mug. You, you did speak to him briefly at the finish, didn't you, Mitch? I did. I, I uh, didn't record it, but um, he was yeah he was spent. He's been up the road, you know, I think four times now, and he's been attacking every day up the road. So he's been going for those points, and he was just spent today. I think the you know the energy going for the KOM jersey, physically and mentally, it's a big job, and you know mentally the Tour de France is hard anyway. So he was just sort of exhausted today at the line and. Um, but always Woodsy, you know, he turns around and comes back down, has a great old chat. You know, he's still got the energy. Like you said, that's a very good nomination and you, you stole it. That's a I think he'd be a popular nomination, certainly. Um, speaking of uh, coping with, you know, f- physical um, agony, you spoke to Simon Clark as well. I mean, he told you that he's been racing with a broken bone in his back. I thought there was something not quite up with Clarky when we saw the start of the uh, Andorra stage or the the stage after Andorra. To see Simon going out the back at any moment on his own is rare. You know, he's he's quite a crafty rider. So I thought, no, nah, this doesn't look like him. Um, and he explained that today, which he's been carrying, I think, for a quite a long time in the tour. Um, and it was great to hear his uh, his thoughts on the race. He's always got a great cycling mind great race mind so it's good to sort of pick his brain before the start too should we hear from somebody else you spoke to at the start dylan van barl who is uh, obviously on any oscar ideas another former teammate of yours i was actually not teammates with him he left oh. the team just before but uh. he's just one of those guys i admire because he's just a strong bastard he's so strong and he just does those amazing things he's converted himself into a climber after being a classics man and um I have a lot of uh, respect for him, so I was, I was happy to have a chat to him today. He's a quietly, quiet-spoken guy. Tipped him to get in the break. I thought he was going to go up the road, but I think he's feeling the pinch now too. Um, it was interesting to hear his thoughts on you know Luke Rowe not in the tour anymore, um, which is quite a rare thing. Again, a Luke Rowe, a very tough man. I don't know if he's ever been defeated in a Grand Tour before, so I thought that was quite interesting because he acts, as Dylan said, acts as a bit of a director sportif on the road. G'day mate, how are you? Dylan Van Baal, good to speak to you. Yeah, thanks. How you feeling mate? Last week, coming into the big boy today, you're going to go up the road? Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling a bit after my crash last Friday. So uh, yesterday I was struggling a bit with my ribs, so let's see how it is. What's the plan for the team today? I, know, I don't expect you to tell us all the secrets, but you know, to, <laughs> to get some guys up the road, to play some support, to really put the pressure on today. It's, you know, we're getting down to the final crunch time now. We try and go for the stage win, like try to have guys in the breakaway to, to go for the stage. Um, and then, yeah, th- those those four guys that, uh, that are up in GC, they're so close to each other. So, yeah, they have to battle it out themselves, I guess. Have you been enjoying the Dutch weather that's been put on this year at the Tour de France? It's unbelievable. It feels more like Paris-Nice. It's unbelievable. Like, you have already had so much rain. That's also part of the job now. And has it been strange not having Luke Rowe all the way through the tour this year? He has a big presence on the race and your team, I can imagine. Yeah, he's so important for the for the team. You know, he's um, like our sport director on the road. So yeah, of course we miss him. But yeah, we, we need to, to make a plan now with these seven guys. Um, but yeah, for sure we miss him. Have you stepped into that kind of role or has anyone taken over that position? No, it's always uh, Luke and, and uh, Kwiatkowski that uh, that mainly make the calls on the road. So uh, and now it's more Kwiato uh, and uh, and Castro Castro Viejo that uh, make the calls. So I step a bit <laughs> a bit behind it. Well, mate, good luck today. Big flat start set up for you to get in the breakaway. I'm tipping you. I hope so. Let's see. That was Dylan van Barl. What are we expecting tomorrow? Um, another big Pyrenees stage. But after today. Pogacar's kind of scratched that itch. He's won a he's won a road stage and he's won a stage in the yellow jersey. First time he's done that, of course. Um, uh, will he be satisfied with that? And will his team and he be content? Do you think to let a breakaway go up the road tomorrow? I would think so. The way they've been racing up until today, that was very much their tactic and the way they played it. And it's you know in many ways very smart. Got other teams to do the work for them. So I wouldn't be surprised if they play that attack that card again tomorrow. I mean, it seems obvious that, uh, you know, he's done as, as, he, as he did in the, in the Alps. I mean, everybody's saying it's, it's amazing that, you know, 
is not as impressive as he was in the Alps. So maybe also the level of the others, uh, you know, went up a bit because Jonas Vingegaard at first was not a contender in the Alps. So he, you know, uh, in the in the first place, so maybe he was kind of uh, held back a little bit. And for a guy who's not as uh, you know as fresh as they say or as impressive as he was in the Alps, well, he won the stage today. Increases his GC lead. What do you, do you want? You know, what more do you want? So I guess he's got his stage win tomorrow. Normally, he should ride more conservatively, conservatively probably, which means either let let the break go or uh, let the others do the job in, on the last climb tomorrow. Toughest day of the tour. I'm talking with Luke Durbridge. How was it for you, mate? Was it the toughest day? No, no way. Really? No, no. <laughs> Von two, I reckon, was harder, uh, just because of the heat. And it was not too bad from the start, to be honest. Like Quickstep did a good job at the start blocking. And then randomly, some Israel Road and a few others, and so we weren't too far from the front of the race. So to make time cut wasn't too bad. I remember this stage back in 2018. We did it as a 65k stage, exactly the same one. So I'd done 120k beforehand before we arrived. So I knew what I was in for. But yeah, we just found that group and ready to finish. But why was Quickstep blocking? Were they just blocking to protect, get a good group going, make sure Cav got in? What was the reason there? Uh, I think two things. Yeah, group and also. Getting points. Uh, Matthews made a lot of points on him yesterday. You know, if it wasn't a, that big a group, then Cav could pick up some uh, bonus points at the bottom. But in the end, Matthews going that good. At, he actually wrapped them up anyway. That was awesome. I saw that lead out. Great. Luca did a really good job. He jumped them early. Um, they weren't ready for it and um, actually just pinned him right at the bottom of uh, Parasword. So it wasn't a very nice one. I was holding out in the wind there and I was just sort of... And then we hit the bottom of Parasword and I was like, we're all in a better limit. But uh, Luca did a really good lead out and um, we picked up more points. So, yeah, we'll just keep you right. Nice, mate. Go and have a shower and a bowl of rice. Thanks, mate. I'll speak to you later. What have you got for us tonight, Francois, in, in, the, in the way of culture? Well, We've already had the beer uh, culture. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, j- just a quick one on the cheese. Um, on the and of course, it is the 14th of July. We're not forgetting that. So, yeah, there's a, it is the 14th of July. And we're not forgetting that. So there's an, ob- there's an obvious song to uh, yeah. play out with. Um, yeah, so the cheese of the day is called Petite Danse. It's a, it's a, a, a sheep milk you know, cheese. Uh, produced in the village of Anse, it's only five k from Sanary, so very very close from here. I don't know if they if they it's on the menu here. We we, we might have a look at it. It's a very small li- little cheese, but we are pretty pretty tasty. And um, yeah, so if you're in the area again, uh, and um, well, if it's on the menu, and we'll we'll have a look at it, uh, we'll tell you more about how we felt about it. Uh, wor- word of the day, well, is sapiens. Oh, <laughs> oh, nicely on brand there, Francois. Yeah. Like it's it. a, uh, in French, sapiens, which is r- the same word pronounced dif- differently. Uh, why? Because, I mean, at kilometer 48 of the stage today, we went through Aurignac. And Aurignac is a little village with a famous cave. And uh, and this, this cave is, was so famous that, uh, you know, and the excavations carried out by uh, by a, a guy called Edouard Larté in this uh, Aurignac cave led actually to the definition of a prehistoric culture known worldwide as the Aurignacians, you know. So if, you know, if you're into prehistoric and into these, these guys who came before us, you know, the sapiens, uh, well, Aurignacien is a period that, uh, that's very famous. And it comes from the small village of Aurignac and, and the cave of Aurignac. So there we are for sapiens, which means, you know what sapiens means in in. In uh, Latin, it means wise. No, it's a device that you attach to your upper arm, <laughs> front on it. It measures your blood glucose levels. Yeah, it means wise. So, so if you have a, if if you have sapiens uh, attached to your arm, means you know you're probably a wise guy. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, the, the the curious fact of the day, uh, um, we, we finished in Saint Larry Soulan, and uh, the interesting thing about Saint Larry is that actually a, a dynasty called the, the Mir family. And the Mir family is called it's M-I-R, and they've been mayors of Saint-Larry-Soulan forever. You know, the, 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 actually, the ski resort was created in 1945 by then mayor Vincent Mir, and and I'm talking about this fam- family because they're a very famous sports family. Uh, the, the daughter of Vincent Mir, so the the guy who created the uh, the ski resort. Uh, was a skier, and she was, uh, you know, she was downhill silver medalist at the 1968 Olympics. So, uh, you know, top-level athlete. And she had two cousins, Jean-Pierre Mir and Jean-Henri Mir, who were both rugby union internationals. 
Jean-Henri won the Grand Slam, you know, the, in the Five Nations Championships in 1968. He won the Grand Slam with France. So, I mean, the same year, his cousin and, and, and this guy won, uh, won an Olympic medal and the other one won the Five Nations Championship with France with a Grand Slam. And, and this guy, um, Jean-Henri Mir, he became mayor of saint Henri in 1991. He, he passed the baton in 2020. He's no longer the mayor of, of saint Henri. But guess who is the mayor of saint Henri? What's his name? Oh. Mir, of course. It's called André Mir and it's the cousin of the guy. So, I mean, all these guys, I mean, th this village is full of mirrors, you know, M-I-R-R-S. And at the end of this term, the current mayor will celebrate 80 years of mere administration in the village, which wow. is pretty strange. And, uh, and but there's lots of other things. The most famous hotel in the res resort is called the Mir Hotel. <laughs> and it's run by another cousin called Jean-Marie Mir. And then and to finish off with the Mir dynasty, uh, a member of the France, uh, French Alpine skiing team is Jordi, Jordi Mir, who is also a nephew of the current mayor. There you are. So the, if you go to Saint-Larry-Soulan, Uh, if you see M-I-R signs, well, you, you know what it means. You know, there's the, the, the whole family running the place. There you are. So we get to the uh, to the song of the day, maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah, before we do, just a couple of things. Uh, we had a couple of nominations on Twitter for Pedal de Charme already. Lachlan Morton is a bit of a left-field suggestion. Not actually riding the tour, but a very good suggestion. Tim DeClerc is another one. And Michael Morkov is another one. Mm. It's not always for... I think that the grace with which Tim DeClerc dealt with his crash and getting through that is worthy of a nomination, certainly. Of certainly is. So, yeah, these are all good, strong nominations. Keep them coming. Um, I think you're watching some... You were speaking about rugby there. You're watching some rugby tonight, are you not, Mitch? Don't tell me the score <laughs> because the game was on oh. actually at 10 o'clock this morning, Australian time. So it's 8, 8 p.m. Australian time, so 10 o'clock our time. I haven't been following it, I'm It's afraid. the um, state of origin. It's, it's a dead rubber. You know, New South Wales versus Queensland, they've won two games, but I want to see them take the clean sweep. Go the Blues. Well, Ruthless. I, I, I shouldn't mention it, but I mean, France have been touring in Australia in rugby union, and uh, we we lost the first test at the last minute, or so, yeah, last second to you, Aussies, and uh, but we won the second test, so you know, oh, there's a match there. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Right. Well, listen. Are you gonna? We, our our starters have just arrived. Um, actually, here in this little restaurant, we're 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 staying in a. Very remote part of the Pyrenees tonight, aren't we? It's quite a strange place where we're staying. But yeah, we're staying pretty close to Lac de Pale, where the tour went in 2016. And guess who won? Remember who won? Was it Steve Cummings? <laughs> you check that. Well, we checked that. I saw Steve Cummings tonight, actually. Steve Cummings is a, a coach now at, at Team Ineos Grenadiers. And I saw him there at the finish, um, standing with Rod Ellingworth. So he's in his new job. Uh, we should wrap things up because we are being hurried along to have dinner. You're going to sing us out, though, Francois. Uh, I was about to sing, to, to sing Learning to Fly by Tom Petty in honor of Clément Adair, a pioneer of aviation. He was born in Muret, and there's a museum to this guy. Muret was the, the uh, start uh, town today. Uh, and he has a museum there, but I suddenly remember it was Bastille Day. So I mean, I, I, I sing in, in a very low voice because I don't want to to to, to draw too much attention, to draw yourself. too much attention, and to disturb the. the, the Maybe the Mitch and I can hum along. Allons enfants de la patrie, le jour de gloire est arrivé. Contre nous de la tyrannie, les tonneurs sanglants élevés, les tonneurs sanglants élevés. Entendez-nous dans nos campagnes bugir ces terroristes soldats qui viennent jusque dans nos rois, égorger nos fils et nos campagnes aux armes citoyens. Formez vos bataillons, marchons, marchons, qu'un sang impur. Abreuve nos sillons. There was kind of a muttering in your ears there. <laughs> encore, encore.